Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome into today's show. I'm so excited that you are here. So much fun. I hope that you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, comment below your favorite part. Today's show is brought to you by Avi Explorers, the great podcast from Avi Maria Press. Enjoy. Welcome into Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and I am joined by the beautiful, the lovely, no, not one of my female co-hosts, Jonathan Beardy Blevins. How are you, John? I'm doing lovely. It's 63 degrees here in Illinois today. It was 25 last week, so can't complain. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. So it's obviously like both of those colds are colder than than like Arlo was and Arlo is now here in Texas, but. It was pretty cold a few days ago here, like cold for Texas, you know, like 40s or something. Yesterday, John, yep. I had to turn my air conditioning on. <laughs> it was, it was wow. hot. It, it got up to like 80 degrees. And I'm like, I thought about like taking my like, because we have like central air in, in the house. But then also like in like, essentially our living room is like a converted garage. So that it has air conditioning, air conditioning in it, but it's not great. So we have a window unit in there. Uh, just for extra AC for when we're hanging out in there watching TV or whatever. And I thought about taking it out for the winter. And boy, I'm glad I didn't because it was really hot in there yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you didn't either. Way to rub it in. Yeah, so I'm glad we started off the show with everyone's favorite kind of small talk. Talking weather! About, talking about the weather, like we just met or something. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And last week, for those that listened, I started off the show... Speaking Spanish. I did the intro to this show in very broken Spanish, and that was supposed to lead to something. And Father Anthony's response to me speaking Spanish was so different than any response I thought he was going to give that I forgot the entire reason that I brought it up. (laughs) Amazing. So uh, now now you have to deal with my Spanish. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Oh, come on. All right. I'm ready. It's different Spanish than last week, but it's the whole reason I brought it up. So, uh, John, did you know? I don't think many people know this. And that's my uh, por favor. Uh, okay, see, sí. <laughs> I don't know how to say what I'm about to say in Spanish, but we'll get to the Spanish part. So, did you know that I was a music director at a parish? Just first of all, did you know that that was a job that I held at some point? No, but I'm not surprised. Okay, and I, it's so funny to me, like people who know me from the internet only know me for the talkie talkie. Like I talk on the radio and they know that I like travel and speak. Everyone here locally has no idea that I have a radio show and a podcast that that people listen to. And, but they only know me for leading worship and singing at mass and adoration and that sort of thing. Right. So it's just really funny. And I'm like, my two worlds have not collided. Like there's, there are people who know me as a singer and who know me as a speaker. So wait, are you slightly above average at playing music and singing? I get paid to travel the country. Well, when the country's not closed, I get paid to travel the country and sing for Jesus in front of people. And they can also sing if they would like to. Do you sing songs not about Jesus? Uh, in my car. But not on like guitar and stuff? I mean, I, I can, but I, I, I don't get paid for that. <laughs> so I don't, not as Want to not get paid for that still, but do a halftime show for Super Squares? Absolutely. All right, cool. We'll talk about that later. Okay, cool. So here's the next part. Not only was I a music director at a parish, John, I was a music director at a parish that was primarily Spanish speaking. (laughs) What do you think about that? That does surprise me. It surprised me as well. Uh, But here's the thing. 
like I, this is the parish I was hired at, but I used to, like where I started like ministry, like leading worship and talking and like caring about you know telling people about Jesus, was at a parish where the only white people and this is this is a parish of like three thousand people, me, three priests. And, and one married couple were the only white people in the whole church. It was me and an entire Hispanic congregation. And so, like, that was, like, kind of my first taste of, like, bilingual masses and that sort of thing. Well, I go to this parish where I'm – I get hired as the music director. And, like, it's easy for, like – so, essentially, uh, like, for, like, the Saturday night mass was in English. And it was kind of, like – like I, I don't mean traditional like rad trad. It's like seeing in a Latin, but like the the songs that most of us grew up with, all the songs from the six fifties, fifties, sixties, seventies, Amazing Grace, that sort of thing, right? Um, so we would do like two like what what I think people would say like most normal masses, and then there would be a Spanish mass, and then there'd be like a youth mass on Sunday night, and that was more like the praise and worship kind of stuff, right? So all in one weekend, I did kind of like the typical Catholic mass. I did a Spanish mass. And then, like, a contemporary music mass. And it was a lot of fun for me to, like, do all three of those. But what I didn't see going as well was how well Spanish mass went. It was my favorite mass to play for every weekend. <laughs> and so what I do whenever I sing for mass is obviously the psalms are written by God and his friends, right? <laughs> like, yep. the words. But, like, the setting and, like, the musicality of it, I would write a new psalm every weekend. Uh, I'd write the chorus and then I'd just kind of like freelance the the melody for the for the verses and it was a lot of fun and I just kind of built that up over the years. Well, there was and what I did at the Spanish masses is like whatever tune I sang for in English, I would teach it to someone who actually spoke Spanish and they would lead it. So it was really cool to hear a song that I wrote sung in Spanish two days after I wrote it in English. <laughs> yeah. So we got, we got to one, and this one has always stuck with me. And this is not a tune that I wrote, but I had to, like, get it, make it make sense in Spanish. So I know that you've heard this song. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Like, And then I raise my hands, and you have to sing along, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we did that one in Spanish. And you know how sometimes Spanish and English, like the translations aren't like word for word. They're not exactly the same. Right. Right. So I heard this one and it might be my favorite Taylor translation of anything in Spanish ever. It's El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. So what we know it is in English is the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. But I heard El Señor es mi, es mi pastor. So it's like the guy is my pastor so as, as you know in spanish el señor is god which is funny because you say señor and it's a guy but it's also right. god it gets very confusing but that's not the important part here the important part here is that uh what translates from there's nothing i shall want it says nada me falta so nada to me means nothing falta sounds like fault so what i always heard was the lord is my shepherd Therefore, nothing is my fault. <laughs> well, I like that better. <laughs> right? Isn't that nice? It's <laughs> a lot better, yeah. I'm going to start thinking of that every time I hear that psalm now. <laughs> Which in most parishes is almost every week, so. Right, exactly. Because it's one of the optional psalms that you can do. So if you don't want to practice with your choir, you can just sing the same one over and over again. So, yeah. the Lord is my shepherd, nothing is my fault, is... Uh, a lot easier for me to believe than 
there's nothing that I shall want because I want a lot of things, but I but I think a lot of nothing is my fault. So I think something's wrong with me, and I realized it through Spanish translation. <laughs> so maybe you can do what I do, Taylor, and that is to convince yourself that everything you want, you need. Give me an example. Okay. The Lord says, Shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. I don't want a new TV. I need a new TV. You see? And then I'm not wanting. I see. That's very <laughs> creative. That's very creative. Thank you. I like that a lot. Uh, I just got a new TV, and I think I used that exact logic without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's my thing. There's a thing on, on the old Twitter that you and I are both a part of, uh, lovingly and begrudgingly. Mm. And uh, there's this thing that constantly pops up saying that God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. Over and over and over again. And while it's true, and I believe that, and I think God is in control. He's It's, it's always... A lot of times it's used in response to something to kind of like abdicate, I have no part in this, right? Which is essentially what I did in my Spanish translation. If God is my shepherd and he's in charge, then I, I take no ownership of any of my mistakes or anything that I do wrong because God's in control. God is the shepherd. I don't have to do anything right. Uh, if I mess up, it's his fault. <laughs> so yep. I, I think like whether it's actually stated or just kind of like a subconscious thing. I think we all do that. So I, I want to hear from you because I'm a little lost, I think. What does it actually mean that God is in control? First of all, what does it mean that God is in control? See, that? Not, this is deep, man. I, I actually am on record on Twitter, what, a year ago or two, whenever that thing came out saying that I hated that meme because people just kept using it over and over and over. Uh, and it was annoying. Um. So I've never loved when people tweet that, but I'm, I'm much more open to it now. When, I think when people say that God is in control, it just means that there are things that are out of our hands that, that we can do nothing about. And so at the end of the day, we need to take a deep breath and rest in the fact that we're sons and daughters of God and love those close to us and love our friends and maybe shut down the internet and so many things happening in the world because there's only so much we can do. Yeah, I like that. I think there's, I, you bring up like one side of it that I'm fine with. And I think where it, where it applies the most, like it is true. God, is, God being in control is true no matter what, but where it, it truly fits is in the situations where things are completely out of our control. Right. So like, uh, as we're recording this, we still don't have a president. Like we we're recording this a little early that we don't have the results. Everybody's kind of freaking out this week. Like what's going on. And it's like in moments of where like, literally I have no control over who's the president. I made my vote and uh, I'll just say I voted for somebody that was not the main two. So my vote didn't do much, <laughs> but like literally like these two people, we have no control over what happens now. Right. So like say, saying God is in control in this moment is actually pretty comforting. It's like no matter who wins and who gets elected, God is still God. And I, uh, and we I, are I, not. And we are not right. I've seen a lot of a lot of fun memes where it's like you know, um, a, a friend a friend of mine, Brandon Morrell, be the symbol who actually makes all the music for this show. He was like, uh, if Biden wins, I'm gonna go work out. If Trump wins, I'm gonna go work out. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of times we give a, a lot of this stuff a lot more credence in our lives than it actually means. You know, like you know, we had Trump as president, we had Barack as president, we had Bush as president, and like, how much did my personal life change? Not not a lot. At, I don't think at all. 
Maybe yours didn't. Maybe other people's did. And I know people care a lot more about politics than I do. So I take it with a grain of salt, right? But how much did our lives actually change? Not much. It's all out of our control. God is in control. But here's the other side of it, Jonathan. Okay. When it's something in my control and I say God is in control, then uh, it could get problematic. And it starts sounding like me speaking Spanish. Nothing is my fault. Where it's like, God is in control, and yet I surround myself with drugs. Right. Or, God is in control, but uh, I put myself, I drink too much alcohol. I put myself in pos- any position of any sin, right? Where it's like, well, God is in control, but you have a little bit of control over this situation as well, right? Yeah, for sure. God is in control as I eat this third double quarter pounder with cheese and ketchup only. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So like in the things where we don't have control as individuals, I think it's really helpful to like say that kind of have it as a mantra, as a prayer, right? God is in control. I am not, you know, like the whole uh, Lord grant me serenity, the chapter scenes I can't change the, the, uh, the wisdom to the whatever. (laughs) Come on, pay attention to your grandmother's paintings. (laughs) Right. Accept the things I can't change, uh, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wine when I can't figure out which one it is. That's the that's the quote, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the one at my grandma's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House. And, and there's, only, <laughs> there's only one pair of, you know, footprints because then I was tipsy hopping. No, there was one set of footprints because that's when the sand people took over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember? No, the tree no, people. The tree, no, the sand people from oh, Star yeah. Wars. Get your memes right, Jonathan. Do you remember our tree people combo? Okay, keep going. I do remember our tree people combo. That was fun. So just like personally, like I, I just feel like there's like, I think I live way too much by my fake Spanish understanding of God being my shepherd. Like nothing, nothing's my fault. And it's, it's like, I continually put myself into situations where it's like, what, what do they call it? It's like, I'm not sinning, but near occasion of sin. That's what it is. Right. Where it's like, I, I keep putting myself in near occasion of sins and I'm like, God, Help me not to sin here as I in the valley of the shadow of death. Right. He's like, right. bud, I, I led you out here. I'm your shepherd. I'm going to bring you over here. Yeah, I hear that. There's something that I talked about a, a few years ago, and I think this it helps me kind of make both of these things true, where it's like it, just personally, like how practically it works in my life, where the Lord is my shepherd. He's in charge. He's in control. But I have some ownership over this as well. And I think it comes with a little bit of like presuming God's mercy. So let's get into it. So uh, shepherding, you know, like the story of like the lost sheep, right? Yeah. So like, you know, it got real popular the last couple of years with, you know, uh, you know, God leaving the 99 to go get the one. And like, that's, it's a vision that we all have of, of faith. Like, obviously it comes from the scriptures. Like it's a good image. And it's like, you know, God comes in his mercy to find those who are lost. That's very true. Uh, I learned this thing about that story and about shepherding and how it works. Cause I'm not a shepherd, but I learned this uh, from some talk I heard a few years ago. And it's always stuck with me that if there was a shepherd and, and he had a sheep that continually walked off and did its own thing. So like there's the herd and there's this other sheep just continually doing its own thing and keeps wandering off, keeps wandering off. You know, the shepherd's like, I left the 99 to get you. And then I left the 99 to get you again. And then I left the 99 to get you again. He's like, at some point he's like, this is getting tiring. I would like to stay with the rest of my flock, you know? Yeah. So what they would what they would do with the sheep that kept wandering off. Like, you know, you've seen like the picture of Jesus 
uh, you know, like art of Jesus with the, with the sheep over his shoulders. Yeah. Have you seen that? Okay. It wasn't just for fun. It wasn't a photo op. <laughs> like that's not why Jesus was doing that. But what shepherds would do is if sheep were wandering off like that, they would literally take the sheep's legs and they would break the sheep's legs so that the sheep couldn't walk away anymore. Right. It's pretty intense for a Jesus image, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, keep, I'm listening. So here, here's what would happen is if, it, if the sheep kept wandering off, kept wandering off, they would, the, the shepherd would break the legs. And what the shepherd would do, it wasn't like a death sentence. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a punishment, although I'm sure the sheep saw it as that for a while. But what the shepherd would do is that's why the sheep was on his shoulders. It's because the legs were broken. That sheep literally couldn't walk. So wherever that sheep was going, or wherever the, sh the sheep had no control over anything, the sheep was going to go wherever the shepherd went. And the shepherd would walk and this sort of thing. And whenever they would stop, where was that sheep? Right next to the shepherd. The shepherd was constantly taking care of it, constantly uh, helping it and feeding it and helping it to get water. And literally primary care of this sheep for the whole time until it until it healed. Okay. Whenever those sheeps would heal, whenever those sheep, sheeps, sheep, whenever that sheep would heal, it wouldn't wander off anymore. And it was often the closest <laughs> one to the shepherd because the shepherd, like one, like there was, there's, there's the one real aspect of like, I don't want to get my legs broken again. Right. But the secondary aspect of it was the shepherd spent so much one-on-one -on -one time and care for that sheep that that sheep now, now felt extremely close to the shepherd. Right. So how, how does this work for, for, for us? It's like we're the we're the sheep. Right. And we wander off and God's God is going to come and get us if we're if we if we're leaving the flock. A lot of us have that uh, multiple times in our faith story. A lot of us have, you know, maybe one big one where we were doing our own thing and then God came back and and saved us. But I know that there have been times in my life where I I'm in the flock and I'm in the church and I'm following Jesus stuff. And then I wander off and then I wander off and then I wander off and then I wander off. And like God, you know, like truly cares about us as a shepherd and he's not going to let us do whatever we want. Right. And he's like, Hey, if you're not listening, like there might be a struggle, like I'm, there might ha be some struggle, but if we respond to that struggle and that suffering that he's going to be like, look, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to keep you with me. I'm going to take care of you. And then like the hope is that we're the sheep that's super close to the shepherd. And we don't wander off anymore. What do you think about all that, Jonathan? Okay. So it's a beautiful image and it's, it's a beautiful image of Christ in us, God in us. Um, but the, but it's pretty ignorant of the shepherd. Like just put a leash on the sheep, dude. <laughs> you break its legs, carry it, and then do all the extra work for taking care of it. And all you had to do was like tie some leaves together and some twigs and make a, a quick leash. Did you just say tie some leaves together? <laughs> yeah. Leaves, twigs, tree bark. I mean, you could, come on, you could fashion a leash. Boy, I'm glad you're good at other stuff because you'd make Jesus a terrible fashioned shepherd. a whip. Yes, not out of leaves. <laughs> Whatever it was out of. <laughs> of leaves. But no, but it's a beautiful image. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It makes sense. It's a, again a pretty stupid thing for the shepherd to do, but they did a lot of interesting things thousands of years ago. Well, here's the thing. Like like most segments, I start off disagreeing with Jesus and then proving that I agree with him in the end. You did the opposite. You're now disagreeing with the shepherd who in this story is Jesus. <laughs> no, no, I said I think it's great for us and an image for Jesus and us, but just a bad idea to do with the sheep. Like, just eat the sheep. If the sheep's wandering off, just eat it. Boy, 
you're not getting the metaphor at all. God <laughs> is not going to eat you. We eat God. I get the metaphor. <laughs> Well, great. good. So that that's that's the whole thing. It's like, look, there is this idea that God is in control, but we have we have full capabilities to do our own things as well, right? If we continue to choose to say, ah, nothing's my fault, it's all on God, he's gonna be like, Well, you're a dumb sheep, and maybe uh maybe I'll make a leash for you. <laughs> that's the moral of the story, I guess. Uh but God is ultimately in control, but we have control over what we can control, our actions. Um, how not our emotions, but how we respond to our emotions. And I know that this has been a crazy week for a lot of people. So all that we can control is our response. And hopefully that response uh, involves something with the shepherd. So uh, that's our, that's our conversation for here for the first segment. When I come back, uh, I'm going to be talking with a Catholic comedian who's been all over Sirius XM and has it's been a professional me. comedian for, for years. It's not John. And John got mad at me because uh, he thinks that I, he thinks that I uh, don't want to interview with him or that I'm not, that I have John on a leash and he's not allowed to interview. But I scheduled this this interview for the time you said we were going to record and you <laughs> changed it. So it's your fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back and then John will be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> As Catholics, we believe we are united to the communion of saints, the holy men and women eternally worshiping God in heaven. Saints are not fairy tale figures or cartoon caricatures of holiness, but real men and women who lived real lives with struggles, sinfulness, and sorrow, but also with resolve and deep faith for the love of God fully. There's a thin veil between this world and eternal life, and through that thin veil, we can learn about those who lived lives of heroic virtue and call upon them for support, guidance, inspiration, and encouragement as we strive to grow closer to Christ. Check out the next series in Avi Explorer's podcast, The Saints, where a host and my friend Katie Prejean McGrady and a variety of great guests explore the role of saints in the life of the church and why they are important. Uh, we will look at how they, we can grow in friendship with the saints who represent a variety of cultures, experiences, backgrounds, lifestyles, abilities, and races, and most especially reflect on how we too are called to be saints. Uh, I've mentioned so many times on the show before that saints are a big hole in my knowledge of Catholicism. I've been enjoying listening to this new series and I hope that you guys too. So check out the Ave Explorers podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the new and exciting episodes. You can also sign up for all the free content at AveMariaPress.com or by following Ave Maria Press on social media. Ave Explorers, everyday faith for everyday people. Like I am Taylor Schroll, and thank the Lord Jesus, we have dropped Jonathan Blevins off in timeout. Don't worry, he'll be back in like 20 minutes, but uh, he always gets mad at me that uh, I don't let him talk to the guests, but this time, I, we scheduled this, and John was going to be with us, David, but he had to reschedule. <laughs> He's currently at Orange Theory working out, which is perfect for what nice. we talked about in the rest <laughs> of this show, but you have taken his spot, and I could not be more thankful. So, uh, David Studebaker is here, and this is one of those things that, uh, I, I, the reason you're on the show is strange. Uh, one, like, from my end, it, I, got an, I got an Instagram DM. And you were like, hey, I'm David, and I'm this comedian who lives, uh, who's converted to Catholicism, who lives out in California. I've been on SiriusXM and all this other stuff, a professional comedian, and, uh, and I heard about you from this person. And I assumed it was 
my mutual, uh, I, I assumed we had a mutual friend in Catholic comedian Aaron Weber. And then we got on the call today and you were like, no, it was this other person. <laughs> that is true. It is the great Luke LaCoy, the great Luke LaCoy. I, although I'm sure Aaron contributed somehow in the, in the greater, in God's greater plan, I'm sure Aaron contributed <laughs> in some way, but uh, I, we haven't met. Well, that's, so yeah, you were telling me that it's your friend who's not even Catholic and you're, we're not even sure how he found me, but it's the reason you're on my show because of an Instagram right? DM I got at two in the morning. I love this. Yeah. Right? No, it's amazing. It's uh, How 21st century is that? <laughs> right, exactly. So you have been doing this whole comedy thing. Like everybody, everybody that's listened to the show for a while knows I love stand-up comedy. Uh, I like to attempt comedy and then bring on comedians to show how I'm not as great at it as I, th- as I think I am. Uh, but you've been, you've been doing this out in LA, and uh, whenever you like introduced yourself to me. I was like, well, I got to go check out this YouTube videos for two reasons. One, I love stand up comedy and I have to watch. And also no crazies allowed on the show. Like I, <laughs> if you were just a, some insane person, because I mean, for real, David, like who Instagram DMS at two in the morning saying you'd like to come onto a Catholic <laughs> podcast and radio show. Like, it's just a strange thing to do. So I was like, Oh, let's figure this out. And, and I loved it. So here you are. <laughs> I slid in as the kids say, I slid into the DMS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Part of it is I have an 18 month old son. So all my work that I do basically is from like 11 PM to 2 AM. And then with the time difference, you know, we, yeah, it was, it was definitely not, not the business hours that I, that I slid in. But it's so funny because it is my business hours because I do have children and uh, work at night and that sort of thing. So, so the thing, whenever you were introducing yourself to me, I was like, one of the things that stuck out to me was like, you're like, hey, I'm Catholic. I converted at 18. And I was like, wait, what? Like, people don't convert at 18. Like, their parents might convert when, you know, parents are like 25 or 30. The kids are like yeah. one or two. And then you're just like, oh, I'm Catholic. Uh, or you like convert, you know, you go to like 18 is like going to college when you convert to like partying person, you know, like, and, and, and you're like, no, I converted to Catholicism at 18. So I really want to know what was going on. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of buck every trend. Uh, so, um, it would take like a, it would take a book really to uh, to explain the entire religious history of my family. It involves uh, uh, Protestant preachers who became atheists and quit, and uh, my dad was it was in Hinduism in India for a long time. And but personally, most of my youth, uh, especially childhood, was uh, in Buddhism. That was kind of the predominant religion. Um, and then my family, when I was ten or eleven. Uh, my dad nearly died and we lost everything. And so that kind of started, they, they kind of came back to Christianity and then eventually to Catholicism. And it was like in the darkest period of our life uh, that I kind of, I still was resistant, but I was kind of, you know, it was, I was finding myself feeling better when I would be, you know, go to a church or go to an adoration chapel or, or have that time. Um, and then the funny thing that happened too, because I, so there's a there's a cathedral in San Francisco. It's called Saint Dominic's, and it's a Dominican. There's Dominican friars. No and, way. <laughs> and I, no, who'd have thought? Uh, so they. So, but it's this like stunning, gorgeous cathedral. It's one of the most beautiful churches in in all of the West Coast. And so I walked in. I was like 11. I was like, oh my! Like I just went from Buddhism, where it's like, okay, sit on a pillow and watch your breath for an hour and stare <laughs> at the wall, to like there's incense and wine and statues, and I feel like I'm in you know 15th century France. And so I was like, this is like Disney. This is like spiritual Disneyland to me. Um, and so it was like the double whammy of 
I, di I didn't have any of any sort of negative connotations. That was kind of a clean slate. And it was such a source of, of comfort and, and joy. And so, I mean, like, I genuinely get excited to go to mass. It's a I find it fun. And I was, I was fortunate to have my parents are very, very, you know, because we grew up in San Francisco, so San Francisco area. So they're very, you know, lovey-dovey, you know, I don't have any of that kind of association of like the parent that's like, you have to do this and kind of that God association. Right. Of like that, you know, any sort of, you know, forcing or guilt or whatever, you know, that, that certain Catholics go through. That was none of that for me. So, so for me, I'm like, yeah, this is great. And, and not to say it wasn't a bumpy road. I had bumps in the road, but I was doubly weird because I, I converted to Catholicism at 18 and I started stand-up comedy at 18. I'm now 31, so it's been a long road. But like, I, I, I did everything weird. It was, it was uh, yeah, so. You might think it's weird, but also like going into comedy in the situation you just shared with me seems very plausible to me. You're like, right. <laughs> no, it's very true. But also like, it's so, it's interesting for me because like a lot of, like most of the time when we hear converts, it's either from atheism, like we've heard that, you know, like Jen Fulweiler and you know, kind of the big name, atheist to Catholic, or I think even more prevalent is like some kind of Protestant non-denominational Christian to Catholic. So when it comes to mass, a lot of people like one of the struggles for converts is like, oh, this is a lot more boring. Like mass is more boring than like Protestant worship services where there's, you know, uh, good music and good preaching, which is rare in Catholic churches. And, yeah. you know, like they, they come here, but I've never heard a convert say mass was exciting, but I get it because you were just on a pillow staring at a wall. Like it, it's just a very interesting <laughs> perspective you have there. Well, and I should say not all masses are exciting. There are like, right. <laughs> you know, there are some where I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be a long one. But, but especially the, the, the churches that I was introduced to initially. So I got that taste. Like I have a friend who's a cradle Catholic and I took him to St. Dominic's one time and he had only gone to a church where they had, you know, the plastic folding chairs and it was a, just a blank room basically. And he went there, he's like, and the music was incredible. They have like basically a professional like Gregorian chant choir there. And he's like, man, if it was like this, I'd be going to mass all the time. So, so there is that. And it's funny though, even for me, like with Protestant churches, cause I went to some Protestant churches prior to going, uh, becoming Catholic. And I see with a Protestant, like they're fun. And I enjoy them, but I feel like they're like a dinner party where they don't serve dinner. So it's like, I've been invited here. There's nice chatting and people are saying great things and singing, but I'm like, where's the food? Where's the, where's, when was the meal going to be served? Even more importantly, where's the alcohol? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so no, so, but yeah, it is definitely a different, uh, a, a different zone. But, but again, I actually, I'm like a convert and a revert, which is if we really want to get into it, because I converted at 18 and then I went through kind of a tough period and I kind of floated away. Not for, I, I went to an Episcopal church. It's a very long story, but I, I had some issues with the church I was going to. It, it involved a comedy show. It got very, very weird. 
Um, but then I, I did come back after that and it's been years now since I've been back, but I kind of basically did the whole thing. I did the conversion and the reversion and the, you know, I, I checked all the boxes. You just really wanted a book deal. Those are the only people that get book (laughs) deals is conversions and reversions in the Catholic church. So you, you got both, you have, you have your uh, bestseller and then your, the follow-up book. Yeah, exactly. I do have to hit something though. I, I I find it kind of interesting because now you have the, all these different things playing into your life. You have the the coming from the Buddhism and then the, and then the Catholicism. Where I, I'm just stuck on picturing you in a room on a like sitting on a sofa or on a pillow, and then I'm just imagining how how things must have come full circle during this quarantine because there yeah. was no mass in person anymore. So here yeah. you are as a Catholic sitting at home probably on a pillow or a sofa <laughs> staring at the wall that has a television on it, streaming live mass. So like right? you were essentially <laughs> doing important. the same thing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. The other funny thing about COVID right now is I feel like there's a certain <laughs> I love comedians. Set- you know, the funny thing about COVID. <laughs> 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 you know, we are who we are, but, the, but the, you know, the, with, with certain Catholics, like I, there's, I feel like there's a certain segment of the Catholic population, and I love the Catholic population, but who the one thing they're enjoying about COVID is the, at least here, you're not allowed to exchange the peace. Oh, yeah. And I feel like there's certain Catholics where like, I come from a Protestant and, you know, love you. So like for me, exchange the peace, I'm hugging and kissing and the whole thing. But sometimes like I'll go and even for a handshake and they'll be like, excuse me, do I know you? Back up, back up. Don't look at me, all right? I don't know you. Get away. Yeah. Like I, so I feel like there's some where they're like, yes. No, no more of this hugging stuff. Right. Yeah, you, I, like it's so funny. Like I've gone to, back to mass like in a church a few times uh, here in the last month or two, and it it is kind of fun. Like it because the sign of peace is always kind of like intermission, right? Where it's just like yeah. everybody, everybody gets to take a break from being quiet and solemn and be like, "What's up?" You know, like yeah. And, and now it's like it's it's so funny like watching everyone who's like 70 and up just chuck the deuce all throughout yeah. church. It's just like, what's up? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And yeah. it's so funny because we think of that being like a young person's thing, like, what's up? But yeah. like they invented it. Like it, they yeah. were alive in the 70s. They, they started <laughs> yeah. this whole peace thing. No, that's so true. That's so true. It, it is kind of funny too because like the whole sign of peace thing, it, it all comes from the scripture about like if you have something between – like if you and I have something between us where we hate each other and we're sitting next to each other at mass, Jesus is like, guys, y'all need to work it out before you come up to my <laughs> altar. Yeah. And what's funny is like now people are using the sign of peace as the thing that is getting between people. <laughs> They're like, how dare you breathe near me? And it's like, we, we, we made it worse. Just get rid of yeah. the side of the piece and be yeah. done. <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah, we just blow by it now. Like in, in the LA Archdiocese, they don't even like, you just, they don't even acknowledge it. Like they just, they just blow by. We don't even try the peace signs anymore there. <laughs> That's awesome. Shorter masses, gotta love it. And I will say, I, to, to all your listeners, uh, this, this man is doing a great thing because it really is important that we be able to laugh in a loving way about Catholicism because Jesus, I don't know if you've read the book between heaven and mirth, but there's a great argument to be made that a lot of Jesus sayings and parables while they were meant to be serious also would have been hilarious. Like the camel through the eye of a needle was like a, that would have brought the house down in Palestine (laughs) at that time. So it's really like, it's great that, you know, that you're, that you're doing this. Well, uh, I don't know if you've heard, like you said, you've listened to the show a few times and uh, you didn't get the memo. Complimenting me is illegal on the show. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I don't it's think a, it's an actual rule, but no one ever does. So I think it's well, a rule now. 
I'm a trailblazer. I'm a tra- and it should be a rule. And I'm a tra- as we saw with with my conversion. I I'm, I I zig when others zag. So and it, I, it should be a rule. Well, good. I I appreciate that. So. I grew up in the church. I've literally been at a church uh, multiple times a week since I was a small baby. Uh, so, like, it's so funny. Like, I look at the church, and there's so many things funny about it. And But, like, you kind of have this, like, insider slash outsider's perspective. So, like, yeah. what are some of the things that you've seen as this person who was completely outside of the church sitting on a sofa in your room to, like, now you're in it, man. Like, what, yeah. what are some of the things that you look at and be like, that's kind of funny? To me, the homilies are always hilarious because – especially when a priest tries to tell a joke. That's my favorite thing in all of, maybe all of the Catholic mass is when they try to tell a joke and especially when it's funny, but it bombs. And that moment, there's been so many times in, in mass where it's a, like I, my parish is the largest in LA, in the LA Archdiocese. So there'll be like 1500 people. They'll tell a joke. I'm the only one laughing. And, I'll, and, I'll, and there's, a, there's, there's like a comedian laugh that you basically you do where if you're in the back of the room and a comedian tells a joke, a fellow comedian tells a joke, it doesn't do it. There's a laugh you do it, and it's kind of almost a cackle. It's like a ha, but like you make it, you make it known that like you thought that was funny. <laughs> and so I will often do that, but then I'll realize like, oh, I'm not in a comedy club, I'm in a church. And so then I get like the side eye from people, but I'm like, it was funny. Come on, no one thought that was the this guy's doing good material here. Come on, give him some love. <laughs> yeah, what's funny is like, I, I what I really hope is that as there's a priest here right now, and every time you try to talk about faith, they laugh. You know, like yeah. that would just be the perfect uh, yeah. co- combination. But like, I yeah. do the same thing. And what's funny is like, you know, like everybody always talks about like the church laughs. You know, like you just can't yeah. stop laughing about something. And like. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like, if the priest says something funny, like, I'm usually the only one laughing. And yeah. I think part of it is we're, we might be some of the only people paying attention. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but I also <laughs> had this image, point. like, just kind of, like, comparing your life to, like, you know, the homily. What I really think you should do, like, your next five-minute set should be, like, a parody of a five-minute homily. Where yeah. you go up there and everything is written down and you stare at the paper and just read it off the paper the yeah. whole time and like awkwardly I reread like another sentence. I think it would only yeah. work with Catholic audiences and it would, like, yeah. it would take a while to get a laugh, but then it would be hilarious. That is very, it's very Kaufman-esque. I like it. Yeah. I, I, that, that is something that is interesting where like the, there's so much, so many things where like if it's just a Catholic audience, I can do it and it works. It's so hard to do anything that's like inside baseball with Catholicism or even Christianity with, with comedy club audiences, especially cause like usually if you're getting drunk on a Thursday night, like you're not really in a, in a probably, you're probably not always going to be uh, th- that tuned. But yeah, no, that is, I, I do do a few things. I, I do weave Catholicism and religion in a little bit, but I, I tend to, my, my comedy is like, I call it adult clean. So like my standup, it's like, you know, I can perform and there can be kids there. It's not terrible. But I'm like, I generally, it's like a, an adult can come, they can enjoy it. Or someone like 13 and older, basically like PG, I'm a PG 13 movie. Right. If they can watch Shrek, they can watch you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, but it is so funny threading that needle because there are so many, th- even with TV, like I, I used to, when I started comedy, I used to be able to tell jokes about tv shows because like almost everyone watched like early american idol stuff or things like that and now everyone goes to a different you know church or doesn't go or watches a different show there's there's so few things that are really shared so most of what i do now just kind of has to be like making fun of myself 
because you know like other than that it's you know it's it, people don't even know like i don't know it, who who's jerry seinfeld i don't know who that is i don't you know he's, he's, so. he's just an old man that, that talks to himself on stage. yeah so we're coming to the end here. We've got just about a minute left. So we, uh, you've got this book. We didn't even get into the book. We're going to have to have you back on, talk more about the book. But in, in 30 seconds, tell me about the book. And then yeah. uh, obviously people can go find you on YouTube. Uh, I love the videos. People need to go check it out. How can people find the book and, and uh, get connected with you? Yeah, so the book's on Amazon. Basically, it's called Lone Star Lance. And essentially, it's kind of everything we've been talking about, but if people were trying to kill me. So it's a comedy thriller that weaves in Catholicism. The main character is someone, he's outside the church. He's a San Francisco playwright and yoga instructor who's forced to move in with his conservative <laughs> Catholic in-laws in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and awesome. so it's kind of the world's colliding, but it's kind of because I've been an insider and an outsider of the church, I wanted to bring uh, something to, to audiences that is funny for everyone, that someone outside the church can enjoy it and feel like there's they're being you know, spoken for and inside the church. And to show in these times where like everyone's so, you know, uh, polarized and angry that like in this, there can be a family who disagrees on things, but they still love each other. They can, they can disagree and coexist and also fight bad guys. So if you enjoy comedy and mystery <laughs> and it's an easy read, uh, so definitely, uh, you know, amazon.com and then my website, davidstudebaker.com, Studebaker like the car. And then same thing. It's my name is my handle on Instagram and TikTok. Actually, TikTok is oh, a whole. Gross. I was forced by <laughs> by my producer of my show, David Zark, to be on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok, Studebaker Comedy is on TikTok. Well, I love it. I hope I get more 2 a.m. DMs from Catholic comedians because this has been a pleasure, David. Thank thanks you. so much. I appreciate you being here. Sorry, can I say one last thing? One sure. last thing. Uh, in ten seconds, uh, if if this is going on before November 14th. Uh, there's a, my brother has a, 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 an organization that benefits foster youth. It's a faith-based organization and it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, it will be, it, it's a fundraiser show that I'll be headlining. So if you want to see an hour long set for me, raise money for them, go to my website. The info's there. Sorry for going long. No, no, it's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Uh, God bless. Thank you. Thank you for being here guys. I will be right back. We'll let John back in the zoom call. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> We're in the chilly season, my friends, and that means we all need some new socks. And if you want socks that are going to keep you warm this winter and also make you look stylish as heck, you need new socks from Sock Religious. If you go to ForteCatholic.com slash socks, you'll be able to get 15% off your next order of great socks that have saints on them and some of our favorite uh, stories from the scriptures. They're so much fun. I own like three, four four pairs of them something like that they're great so go to fortecatholic.com slash socks to get yours today and 15 percent off with the code forte 15 welcome back to forte catholic i'm taylor schroll jonathan bearded blevins is welcomed back lovingly to the show after a brief hiatus last segment uh so john you, you're a fan of memes, correct? Uh, yes. Okay, so one of the one of the current memes is the like how it started and how it's going. Right. I love it. I actually pictures. haven't made one yet. I want to make one so bad. I haven't done it yet. I'm thinking of things anyway. Yes, I love the meme. Do you have a favorite one that you can like recall? Like, what what's your favorite like how it started, how it's going thing? My favorite one has was a Detroit Lions one. 
and it was how it started and it was like the historic franchise like like when we were good in the 50s when we won championships and it was like 1957 lions championship but underneath it it said zero super bowls because there was <laughs> there weren't super bowls yet right so how it started we were winning but still no super bowls and how it's going and at the time we were like one in three Ah, right. like, <laughs> uh, yeah, but we are going to win it this year. Anyway, continue. Ah, uh-huh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Both of our football teams are just doing swimmingly this year. Thanks Listen, so we're much. one game away from five hundred. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> that's it. That's the statement. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you. Uh, so. Like uh, for people who don't like, that's a great example. Like for people who haven't seen it because you don't own the internet or something, it's like you know, like a lot of couples are doing it. Like how it started, it's like their first date and how it's going, and now they're you know married for eighteen years and have fourteen kids or whatever. You know, like that that that's essentially the picture. And I saw one that perfectly encapsulated how I feel almost all the time, Jonathan. Okay. And it's uh, Sisyphus from Greek mythology. Do you know anything about Sisyphus? So only because beforehand you told me a little bit about what it's about. I've heard the story, but I'm, I love Greek mythology and I'm not super familiar with him. Yeah. So he got punished for, you know, something, a God, another God got mad at him. Cause that's how punishment in Greek mythology worked. And his punishment was that he had to push a rock up a hill okay. for eternity. So he would, he's this big old strong guy. And it's there's a big hill. Huge boulder, huge hill. He's pushing this rock up and he would get all the way up to the top. And what would happen to the rock? rolls all the way back to the ground and he has to do it so literally his eternity is pushing this rock up the hill so the meme was how it started and it's sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill and how it's going is sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill and it's how i feel about almost everything almost all the time (laughs) (laughs) there's no progress even though you're working hard right working hard like whether it's like uh you know actual work like my job or like becoming a better christian or becoming a better husband or a father or literally working out and pushing things up heavy things like no matter what i do not not much changes (laughs) yeah i hear that i can feel that sometimes for sure so we've got all these angles we've got the like physical angle so like you know like every time i get back you and i have talked about working out you know a a few times over the last cup last year uh here on the show and, like, there's always times where, like, I'm just super lethargic. There will be, like, two months where I'm stressed out and not doing anything. And then, like, I get super into working out, and it lasts a few months. And inevitably, I get hurt because my body is broken and uh, everything stinks. And I'm Sisyphus pushing metal up or uh, rock up a hill. And then I'll get hurt, which is what happened. So, like, at the beginning, like, months ago, I lost 10 pounds. And then I gained 10 pounds from working out. Like, literally lost fat, gained muscle. And then right when everything's going swimmingly, I mess up my leg and I can't work out for three and a half weeks because I'm walking with a limp. And uh, I just feel like since like, and now I'm five pounds heavier and I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah, I feel for you, though, because in a second when I rant about why I'm finally taking my health seriously, really probably for the first time since I was like 21, uh, maybe even, maybe earlier than that, maybe like 19. Um, my reasons had nothing to do with injury. I what do you do? What are you supposed to do? I mean, they do say that 90% of, of your weight is what you eat. So I guess maybe you, you're crazy. You try to do some kind of sustainable diet, but if I can't imagine getting so badly hurt that I can't work out, like I haven't even been able to use that excuse for 12 or 13 years. <laughs> you're either you're smarter than me, or it's just the fact that my whole body is 
all my muscles are just scar tissue at this point. You played much more physical sports than I did. I play, I played basketball and soccer. So a lot of cardio stuff. I mean, obviously slide tackling is a thing, but yeah. you, you played more physically demanding as far as like strength sports that I, than I did. Ironically enough, the sport I got hurt the most in, oh, that's not true, but not the most, but the worst injuries came from the non non-contact sport of track and field. <laughs> <laughs> but is there, there's a lot of movement there, right? There's a lot of like, like strength involved in like, you got to stretch well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like I, you know, blew out my hamstrings like that. That's essentially what I hurt all the time. It's it, like my hamstrings are just a ticking time bomb where they're going to pull. Something's going to happen. Something's going to do a little minor tear just because I've done that so many times. And, and, and it all, it's all like you're saying old injuries from track and football and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but you like, I, I saw you today and I was like, you look really skinny. So either white is as slimming you're wearing a white t-shirt. It's either as slimming as people say, or you actually have lost a lot of weight. So <laughs> you don't feel like Sisyphus currently working out. So how's that going? Uh, no, I don't. I, well, let me just be fully transparent with you. And we've talked about this on podcast before we've had Leo on before, uh, from, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Libertas, uh, Libertas, Libertas. I was going to say the running guy. Cause that's his Instagram account. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he, he's a great, he was a great motivation for me. Joel Stepanek. We've talked about him before. He is my number literal, best friend and number one inspiration when it comes to like developing healthy habits, not just physically, but spiritually as well. He's just a great dude, great friend. Um, but, uh, but finally it's different for me now because like, I just, I went to Arizona and during COVID in the very beginning, um, just stayed at my parents' house and, and hung out with, the, with Joel quite a bit and was doing CrossFit with him every day. And I, it killed me. It absolutely killed me. And I was finally like in this two week habit of going, I was eating decently um, but it didn't stick and I didn't have the right reasons for doing it. And I came back here and then we started the super squares thing where I'm live at Thursday night for five hours, 12 hours on Sunday and another five hours on Monday night. And I'm ordering Uber eats and I'm having beers and just literally like, and then, and then making excuses like, Oh, I, you know, I don't have to work out because this is what I have to do to support my family. I don't have time to work out. And I found myself just making all these excuses these last two months as to why I'm allowed to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, sleep in, go to bed late, all these, these things. Right. Um, and so then I have this great conversation with a priest friend of mine who was just ordained this past June. He comes over, blesses my house. We do confession. Um, it was really beautiful. We got to do confession with my wife and I, not together, but, uh, you know, we both got to go in our house and then he did mass for our family. And it was the first mass I've been to in six months without a mask on, which was freeing, uh, and beautiful. And I just had this moment of prayer and mass where it was like, man, you, like regardless of how well I'm doing to provide for my family or allowing Jody to shoot her dream is to stay home and, and it's happening and how I'm, I really am being a better dad. Like I'm, I'm paying attention to my kids. I'm not on my phone as much little things like that. Just I was living in like, Oh, I'm, look how good I am because I'm doing those little things. Um, so let me just completely trash my body. Uh, it was just a, a horrible excuse. So I step on the scale and I was 265, which is like 15 pounds heavier than I have ever been. And I was at like 240, like a month and a half ago or two months ago. So I Are put on serious? like, wow. yeah, I put on like, like 20, almost 20 pounds. I'm doing it right. I've been 265 for years. <laughs> well, I, dude, I, you wouldn't believe like, I mean, I know weight can fluctuate. Like, so maybe it was just, I ate a lot that day when I weighed myself, but I looked and saw 265 and I was like, you, like what it, this, it was, I was embarrassed. I was like wildly embarrassed and 
and, and in the, so in this moment in mass, I was just like, it's you, you, ha I have to start taking my physical life more seriously because I've been preaching about how it's important. I know that when you establish healthy habits in your life, your prayer life is going to improve. And I keep talking about how, Oh, you know, we're just in seasons. All these excuses as Catholics, you make, Oh, it's just a bad season. It's a bad season. Like, no, it's been a bad 20 years for me. Exactly. That's been my season since I turned 20. It's been a bad season. Yeah. For me. <laughs> so, so yeah. So 13 years, it's been a bad 13 years for me taking care of myself. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm just over it. And, and so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like if I lived in Arizona, I would go work out with Joel every day. I proved that I did that. I'm not going to go to CrossFit right now, which I really kind of wanted to do because the, you have to wear a mask the whole time and you got to like, you're sharing a lot of equipment and it just seems kind of like weird during COVID times. And I live in Illinois. Um, but I heard of this orange theory thing, uh, which, which is, it's a lot of cardio um, and, and it's expensive. And I was like, if I sign up, I'm going to go, I'm going to use the app. I bought this heart rate monitor and I'm going to start eating better. Like I can't be eating. I was bro. I was eating <laughs> like a, a fast food almost every day. Uh, and I was like hiding from it because I was like, I wouldn't eat it for three or four days. And then I would eat it like for three meals in one day. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm not doing so bad for four days. I wasn't right. eating fast food at all. <laughs> I haven't killed anybody in four days. Doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, oh, then I eat. Literally, I ordered like, I think the, and, and I had, I did hit like rock bottom for me. I was streaming at Super Squares and I ordered $45. Now, Uber Eats is really expensive. So it's like 20 extra bucks was probably the delivery and everything. But I ordered $45 worth of Portillo's. I had a double cheeseburger, an Italian beef sandwich. Che a large cheese fry, onion rings. I hadn't eaten all day. You're leading me into temptation. Like, I just want to order all that now. <laughs> Sorry. And I, but that was it. That night was the night where I said, it was like two days after the mass. It was your um, last supper. <laughs> it was. I was like, I'm done after this. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I went to Orange Theory the next day. Uh, and I've been going. And I'm going to keep going. And I, I'm just, I, yeah, there's just no excuse, man. I, I, I got to stop. It's ready. I'm ready to go. I grocery shop today, but all the right stuff. And it's not just because I want to look better, although you and I were joking about that off screen. I really do think that like our bodies are temples. And for 13 years, I have not treated mine like one. Uh, and I need to, if I want to be around for my kids, I need to, if I want to stop this weight climb that I'm doing. Um, and I, I do think that it will rapidly and drastically improve my prayer life. So that's my long rant. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, no. I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared. So, uh, you know, God says our bodies are a temple and that can be true for all of you, but mine's still going to a cathedral and probably going to stay that way. I've just accepted that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think the, the thing about the whole Sisyphus thing, right? So like, I, I think for, for both of us, like literally we've talked about this and like, we're like. Multiple times we've said, oh, this is going to be the time it changes. And both of us are here again saying this is going to be the time it changes, you know. And so, like, it, it literally can feel like Sisyphus, where it's like yep. we're pushing the rock up and then it falls. You know, you push the rock, you work out for three weeks and then you get hurt, in my case. Or you work out for three weeks and then you order $45 on Uber Eats and you like, kind of fall back down. And it's like we, we have to keep pushing it back up. And I think a lot, a lot of times, like, I, I look at that story and, like, obviously it is punishment for that guy. But me looking at it, like, and kind of seeing, I'm like, look, I think that's kind of what a lot of life is, where it's like, we're going to fall, and we got to keep pushing the rock up. And I think a lot of things are going to feel repetitive. Like, as a husband, as a father, as a parent, like, as a Christian, all of these things, it's like, I have to go pray again? Like, I, I've prayed every day for 17 years. <laughs> I have to do it again? You know, like, pushing the rock yeah. back up. I have to work out again? Like, all I did was work out. Eight hours a day for 10, 10 years of my life. Does that count for nothing now? And the answer is no. So I got to push the rock back up again. And uh, like uh, parenting, 
I got to change a diaper again. You know, I got to I got to take the kids to school again. It's like, yes, a lot of life is pushing the rock back up over and over and over again. So I, I got a really interesting perspective on this whole Sisyphus thing from The Good Place. Have you watched Good Place? I think we talked about it before. Yeah, I stopped watching. I think I have like a season or two to go, uh, okay, but, okay. I, but I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's really good. A lot of a lot of Catholics didn't like the last season. I loved it. I I, I think the whole, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it's super underrated. This is from the last season where Michael says something. It's not a spoiler or anything, but he says this line in regard like they're talking about Sisyphus. And uh essentially his role essentially his whole life purpose. He's older. It kind of gets into like he's older and it's time to move on, that sort of thing, right? And he's like who am I when the rock is gone? in regards to the Sisyphus thing. And like mm-hmm. that blew my mind. Cause it's like, I can sit here and complain about the Sisyphus stuff in my life. I got to go work out again. I got to go pray again. I got to go spend time with my kids again or take care of my kids or take them to school. I got to go, you know, like I have to stop playing video games, spend time with my wife. And like, these are all things that I have thought that are good, bad, negative kind of all across the board. Yeah. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I could complain about the rock over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, like this is my life and I love it. You know, like who am I? I don't know who I am without pushing the rock up the hill, you know? Yeah. And, and I just thought that was a really interesting insight from the good place. And uh, it was good. So that's our show today, Jonathan. We did it. Well, let's motivate each other, my friend. Cause I, I agree with you about the whole rock thing falling all the way down. What are we going to do? And for, like, for me, I'm going to keep, I'm going to take 10 steps forward. And if I take two steps back, that's okay. I don't need to take 10 steps back. That's where, that's what I'm going to try to focus on, brother. Be careful. If you take a step back, you might get crushed by a rock. I'll be back next week. Say it. Say it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it because we sure as heck enjoyed recording it. Uh, if you would like to support what Forte Catholic is doing and our ministry here, you can always go to ForteCatholic.com slash donate and, and leave a, a, a very generous donation, whether that's $1 or $1 million. It's all very generous, like the whole widow's might story from the old Jesus. Uh, but also, if you uh, liked what you heard today, please hit that subscribe button. Thank you guys so much. I'll be back next week. Bye.